Open your Bibles with me. I told the team, please, let's, I'm going to try to be better about letting you out earlier. And I, I know that doesn't mean anything to some of you because you don't have kids. But if you have kids, that means a lot. I certainly don't want to be late letting our families out. But I do want to take you to the book of Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And I'm going to read the first four verses of this chapter. Philippians 2 verses 1 through 4. He said, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercy, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. I want to talk to you tonight from this subject. Do yourself a favor. Amen. I think we all enjoy when favors are done for us. Am I alone in that? We like it when people do things for us. We like it when people are considerate of us. They're mindful of us. And we... Love it when people do kind things for us and to us. More than that, we like to be favored. I like being favored. I like the Lord's blessings on my life. I like when He just opens the windows of heaven. We all enjoy a good turn coming our way. But tonight, I want to talk to you about doing yourself a favor. Amen. I want you to talk to yourself tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I must confess to you that I have often read this passage without really feeling the full impact of Paul's words. I suppose the reason for that is because It is the prelude to one of the greatest passages of Christ's humility there is in the Scripture. It is the part of the chapter that this chapter is known for. Not the first part, but the latter part. The latter portion of chapter 2 is perhaps the greatest and most moving passage that Paul ever wrote about Jesus. His willingness to lay aside deity and become humanity. Him stripping himself and not clinging to 
any status or anything else but yielding up himself for the greater good and the greater cause. He took on the status of a slave or a human being. I love how one translation reads. It says, having become human, he stayed human. He didn't try to escape when things got rough and when people hated him. He didn't revert to deity and strike them dead like I probably would have if I had been God. He lived an obedient life. He lived a selfless life. He died the worst of death, the crucifixion. But because of all that, he is highly exalted and has a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. We love that. I've often heard it quoted and read in times of of encouragement to the church. But this great passage about the humility of Jesus and his condescending to our level and to our estate is preceded by a very unusual one. And I have to confess to you that I have often read through this portion to get to that latter portion because that was the real focus. And as a result, it's easy to read over or read through something and not really grasp its importance and the message that it's conveying. But yesterday or early this morning, I have no idea if I dreamed it or what, but I just know that there was impressed on my mind to go back and read the book of Philippians again. And so I did. And there were a few other passages of Scripture that kind of piqued my curiosity, but it was when I got to this second chapter that I began to feel the Lord speak to me. And when I began to slow down and read it more carefully and not hurry on to the next portion of Scripture, it began to speak very clearly to me. I hope that you will understand and receive that tonight in the spirit in which I would like to say it. But it is a stirring clarity in what it conveys. The message is very provoking. And when I consider it, it should become the foundation and the basis upon which everything I do is founded. I want to say that again. That when you really read, and we're going to go back and read it from a few other translations so you can get the impact of that passage. But when you really understand it, It should become the foundation and the basis upon which everything that I do is founded. Every action, every intent, every desire, every plan, every purpose should be filtered through this particular portion of God's Word. 
And Paul uses very intense language, or at least to me it was very intense, in conveying this thought, and it is moving in its appeal, and it is provoking in its thought. And perhaps if I would read it to you from another translation, you could understand what I mean. So let me begin by reading from the Amplified Bible. Amplified Bible reads like this. So, whatever appeal there is in our mutual dwelling in Christ, by whatever strengthening, consoling, encouraging our relationship in Him affords, by whatever persuasive incentive there is in love, by whatever participation In the Holy Ghost we share, and by whatever depth of affection and compassionate sympathy we have, fill up and complete my joy by living in harmony and being of the same mind and one in purpose, having the same love, being in full accord and of one harmonious mind, and intention and do nothing from factional motives through contentiousness or strife or selfishness or for unworthy ends or prompted by conceit and empty arrogance. Instead, in the true spirit of humility, lowness of mind, let each regard others as better than and superior to himself, thinking more highly of one another than you do of yourselves. Let each of you esteem and look upon and be concerned for not merely his own interest, but also each for the interest of others. That is the setting of the whole text. Let me read it to you from the message translation. If you have gotten anything at all out of following Christ. If you have gotten anything at all after following Christ. If his love has made any difference in your life. If being in community of the spirit means anything to you. If you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Now, I probably could just close right now and you've heard enough to digest But in in the passage that Paul is writing here, he is actually dealing with a problem 
that he could see on the horizon of the church, of any church, of any healthy church. And it was disunity. Now, by disunity, he did not mean that people were um, overtly working against the church. But he meant that something happens in this spiritual journey. And if we're not careful, the focus can become so much about us that we forget the real focus. That we can allow our agenda to supersede his agenda. And so Paul deals with the causes of disunity in the body or in the church. And he said it comes from three basic things. Number one, it comes from selfish ambition of advancing my cause, not the cause. Of promoting my plan, not his plan. Of thinking that my plan or my purpose is synonymous with his purpose. And how easy it is that we can become so convinced that we have the plan that we don't realize that it's just our plan. It may not be his plan. He said the other issue is this issue of personal prestige or my reputation is always on the line. Not my representation of him. I want to say that again. He said one of the great, one of the great fears that I have for the church is that we would become so important ourselves and so used of God and so anointed of God that we would be more concerned about our reputation than our representation of him. And he said, the other thing is that in all of this, we become self-focused. We become self-serving. We do things, but we don't do it for the right motive. We don't do it for the right reason. We do it to further something, our cause or our plan or our ideas or our wants or our wishes. And we do not consider that that may not be the mind or the will of God. And then he gives the cure for it. He gives the antidote to this disunity. And he said it simply. He said, think the same way. Be in harmony. Be in agreement. Be of the same mind. Be of one purpose. He said, have the same love. Amen. Share the same feelings, being in full accord with one another. Focus on one goal, a harmonious mind and intention. And he said, don't let anything be done out of rivalry or conceit. 
You know, I, it, it's amazing in, in, in working with people and living for God in my own life how often I find myself promoting my cause because I feel like my cause is more important than your cause. And my plans trump your plans. And, and I know that you probably don't think like that, but I, 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 there's somebody around you that you know of that operates like that. It doesn't matter what you say, what they have to say is of more importance than what you have to say. And so it becomes a matter of movements and motives and contention and strife and selfishness. And he said, don't let anything you do be done for rivalry's sake or do it just to show somebody. Make sure the motive is right. Make sure the motivation behind what you're doing is for the right reason. And he said, do nothing for an unworthy end. Wouldn't it be terrible that if, that people would have a mind that they're going to do everything they can to crash your party? But you know what? There's people around us that are just like that. They're, they'll do anything they can to, to, to frustrate our ends or our purpose. And Paul said that's a danger. It's not a danger of a sick church. It's a danger of a healthy church. A church that's been used, anointed, blessed, and all of that. He said, you, you have to be careful that you do not allow yourself to become so promoted that you push yourself more than you push and promote his cause. In humility, he said, consider others as more important than ourselves. Look out the, look out for the interest of others in the true spirit of humility and loneliness of mind and and all of that. And and so all of that being said, I, I think I could close again now and enough would have been said. But let me, if you'll let me, I want to just say a few things and I'll get out of the way. But the one great fear that Paul had for the church was that it would become self-absorbed and self-focused. And it would become sense Less, no feelings, hard, cold, callous, inconsiderate, unthoughtful. And the fact is, Paul knew that the greatest danger of every healthy, growing church is this spirit of selfishness. That creeps into all of our lives at some point or at the other. And he said, somehow, if that spirit is ever allowed into your life or into my life, if I ever begin to make room for that selfish motivation or that self-centered living, then I lose something that is vital to my spiritual life. And I... I lose the right accent in life, the things that really matter. If I'm not careful, I can begin to major on minors. And I can become so focused on the trivial that I miss the essential. And I've seen it happen in life many times, not just in church, but in our own life, that we, we, we allow 
things that go on in our mind, in our spirit, and we contend for our own cause to the disruption of the harmony of the body or the family or, or the marriage. Amen. The fact is, Paul knew that the greatest trouble that any of us would have would be losing focus of the real thing, the main thing, the most important thing. Not an open hostility toward the church or toward the family or toward the marriage, but an undercurrent that worked below the surface of making sure that whatever happened, my agenda gets promoted to the top. Amen. And so here's his appeal. And when I read it and I reread it, it it has stirred something so deep in my spirit that I've had to go back and re-examine myself. And I'm asking God to let this become the new mantra of my life. Let this become the new focus of my work for you and for whatever I do. He said this. He said, is this dear to you? This experience that you have, this, this, this Holy Ghost that you have, is that dear to you? Is that, is that valuable to you? Does it mean anything to you what the Lord has done for you? Where He brought you from? Now I know some of us grew up talking in tongues and praying all time and seeing visions and having angels visit, but some of us didn't. Some of us lied and cheated and stole told bad jokes and said filthy words. And yet his love was so pure and it was so availing to me, just like it was to everybody else, that he didn't, he, he, he didn't hold back his love toward me. And so when I think about what the Lord has done, my church, I mean my church, this is my church. I know we, 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 there's a great uh, cause or, or, or a program going around called I Love My Church. Well, you know what? I do love my church. And I think all of us ought to feel, if you don't love my church, you ought to find a church you can love. But I love my church. I want it to succeed. I want it to be its best. And I know that if it's going to be its best, it's going to help have to have something to do with me being my best. I'm thankful for my salvation. I'm I'm glad the Lord filled me with His Spirit. I am grateful for the mercies of God. I am so thankful for everything that I've received. When I think about all the blessings that God has poured out in my life all through my years, I cannot count them all. They are too numerous to count. I, when I start talking about them, one leads into another. And we would be here all night if we were to stand and testify of God's goodness to our own personal life. And Paul said, does that mean anything to you? Does that mean anything, what God's done? Is there anything that moves you when you consider what all the Lord has done to bring you where you are? Does this matter to you? Does it matter what you've experienced? Is the Holy Ghost something of importance to you? Or is that just something that happened to you a long time ago and, you know, you are, you've done it? You've got a t-shirt 
all that? Or is it something that's still active and working and moving in your life? Are, are you, are you of a frame of mind to realize that I need the Holy Ghost in my life tonight more than I have ever needed it in my life? Amen. And could you have made it without the Lord doing all that He's done? Now, that's the context of what this chapter begins. And I want to go back and I'm going to read it to you again. I, I wanted to, if you've gotten anything out of this, out of following Christ, if you've gotten anything out of it, if His love has made any difference in your life, if being in community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, If you care, do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. Let this be the motivation behind everything you do. Let this be the context within which everything you do is defined. Every action. Do yourself a favor. And let this be the motivation for your life. And this is what captured my thought. The driving force behind everything that Paul did and everything that he encouraged the church to do. And really the the driving force behind all that Jesus Christ did for us. What was it? The motivation behind every deed, the incentive of every achievement, the inspiration of every act, the driving force behind every effort, the provocation for every battle. Yeah, we do have battles, but there needs to be the right cause, not just fighting to fight. Some people just like a good fight. And they'll fight at the drop of a hat. But we need to be fighting the right thing. We don't need to be fighting one another. We need to be fighting the elements that are trying to destroy the work of God in this world. The reason for every program, the enthusiasm behind every movement, the encouragement to every accomplishment, and the inducement for any fight that I might engage in should come back to this This beginning right here, I'm getting to a point. What we do, we do it because of. For this reason, I do what I do. For this purpose, do I live the way I live. And Paul gives four considerations that ought to drive everything I do. I'm going to give them to you very quickly. Number one, the fact that we are all in Christ. Everybody say all. 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 Everybody Turn and look at your neighbor and say, all. That means you. All in Christ. Now, we may not all be in Christ as far as we need to be in Christ. We may not all be as close to Him as we ought to be close to Him. But the thing that should motivate everything we do and be that driving force behind everything 
is that we have all been saved by the same blood. And it took just as much blood to save me from my sin as it took to save you from your sin. And there is no one, nowhere in this place that's bigger than anyone else. And there's no one better than anyone else. We're all sinners saved by grace. Amen. Amen. And so we do it because we are all in Christ. There's no one that's bigger. And here's what, here's what I wrote down. You cannot walk in unity with Him without also walking in unity with me because I'm in Him too. Ha! Ah. So whoever it is that you might be at odds with, you may need to go back and reconsider. Would I be where I am tonight if it had not been for the mercies of God? Would I be where I am tonight if God had not forgiven me? Would I be where I am tonight if God had not cared for my soul? And if I can answer that no, then I need to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. I need to enlarge my horizon of compassion. Amen. Number two. Number two, everything I do should be motivated by the power of love. The power of love. This is what is so amazing to me about his love. Is that his love for me has never sought anything but my good. His love has never tried to hurt me. It's always tried to lift me. And this is the better part. His love to me is never based on my merit. It's founded in his mercy. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God for his mercy. Nobody in this building deserves one thing that we've received of the Lord. You see, it's not the human reaction of the human heart that makes the will or makes this possible, but it is the victory of the will. Not loving only because you are loved or you're lovable, but loving even those who hate us and hurt us, those who do not like us, those who are unlovely. Why? Because when I was without love, when I was without anything, he loved me. Amen. And because he could love me, somehow that's got to become the motivation behind everything I do, that I do it based on that same kind of love. Amen. Number three, the fact that we share in the Holy Ghost. That's an interesting statement that Paul makes. He he doesn't talk about us just being filled with the Holy Ghost, but he indicates that we are used by the Holy Ghost, that we are we are tools and we're instruments and implements in the hand of God. And the Holy Ghost makes all of that possible. And so as we we, we are being used, we are we are all part of the body of Christ. We don't all occupy the same place, we don't all have the same position, we're not all in the same 
molding we have some that, that that in the body that are in the hand and some that are in the feet and some that are in the arm but one part one toe one little toe doesn't doesn't lose significance over the brain or the head it's all part of the same body and it needs all parts for the body to function properly amen sometimes we promote only those who have the most talent And we only look to those who can give us the most when the reality is we need to be looking to everybody to contribute because we're all part of the body. Everybody's important in the family of God. Everybody's important in the family. Even those that are not living the way they need to be living are still important to the family of God. Somebody said, well, why don't you get rid of them? That's not my business to get rid of them. My business is to try to help them understand that they're involved in the body. And that if they will come into the body and become part of the body, their life's going to be blessed far more than they would ever imagine. The number four, we do it because of human compassion. Just pure old human compassion. Have mercy on people. We want mercy. I love lots of mercy. Then I need to have mercy. You know, one of the things that I've seen in the church through my years, and I grew up in the church, that Madeline Murray O'Hare is right, or was right. She's not anymore, but she is. she was right at one time. She said that, that the Christians were the only species that destroyed their wounded. I never have understood that. And yet I've lived, and you have too, to, to understand that sometimes the most hurtful place to be is in the church. It shouldn't be that way, but it is sometimes. But I'm here to tell you tonight... That if we could ever get back to what really ought to motivate us, we ought to be motivated by, motivated by a huge well of compassion and a huge well of mercy. You know what? They don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. But I'm going to extend to them that same compassion that was extended to me. And I'm not going to make them merit it or, or, or earn it before I give it. I'm just going to give it because that's what he did for me. Amen. And so Paul said this needs to be the motivation. Have you been encouraged? Anybody here been encouraged in your life? Then you need to be an encourager. You don't need to be critical. I don't need to be judgmental. You say, Brother Hughes, it's not my part. Well, I know some people take that to an extreme. And I do understand that the scripture talks about us judging things. I understand that there is a place for that. But it is not my habit, nor should it be my habit, to continually live in that seat of judgment on other people when I myself have not even merited the goodness of God. I need to leave that in the hands of God. Amen. Number two, anybody ever been comforted in your journey? Have, have you ever had any calming influence come into your life and the spirit of peace invade your soul and you don't understand it and you can't explain it, but you just know, you know what? It doesn't matter what's happening around me. On the inside is God, and that's all that I need to get through whatever storm I'm having to go through right now. Amen. 
Have you ever been comforted? Then we need to be comforters. We need to be encouragers. And this is something the Lord really, really began to deal with me about today. Spiritual relationships. Spiritual relationships. He talks about sharing in the Holy Ghost. It's really talking about a relationship. Sharing is talking about relationship. It's not just what God does for me. It's what I, in turn, can do for the Lord. And there's a relationship. And this is what the Holy Ghost said. You need to be more interested in relationship than in being right. I know some people. And sometimes it happens in marriages that they are so determined to be right that they destroy the relationship. And I've seen it happen in churches. I've seen it happen in districts. I've seen it happen in organizations. I've seen it happen in our friendship relationships that we are so determined to be right that we destroy the relationship. We need to value relationship more than we value being right. Now, I know that doesn't go down very well, but if you'll take a spoonful of sugar, it'll make it go down a little better. You and I need to value relationships in the body. You say, Brother Hughes, why are you preaching this? Because the Lord gave it to me. Do we have problems in the church? Not that I know of, but I know this much. If Paul knew that the greatest enemy of the church was a spirit of self-centeredness, it hadn't changed in 2,000 years. We're still at the root of what the greatest enemy of the church is. It's not the devil. It's not the government. It's me becoming just focused on my little world. My little world. (laughs) Amen. And it happens. We don't even realize it's happening. And we come and go. There's people sitting across the the pew from us. There's people sitting on our same row. We don't even know their name. Good Lord, I'm going to preach a little while right now. We don't even know who they are. We know we see their face, but we don't know their... Somebody needs to wake up and say, you know what? This is my family. This is my body. I want to know my family. I want to be in relationship with my body. I didn't need to say all that, but I did. Amen. <clears throat> Have anybody, anybody ever had any mercy shown your way? You know, the thing that I fear the most in living is hardness. And it happens without you even realizing it's happening. That callousing of your body, your mind, your spirit to where you're not sensitive. You're not in tune. You're not in touch. And opportunities come your way, but you're so insensitive and you're so hardened or calloused in in thinking about your own agenda or thinking about your own wants or plans or whatever. You're so focused on yourself that you do not realize that God opened a door for you to ministry or opened a door for you for compassion or He opened a door for you so that you can touch somebody and help them find that there is a love worth living for because we are too focused on ourselves, I'm closing. I, I really am. Say so he's closing. This is what I'm going to give you. Do yourself a favor. All right? I just jotted these down. There's nothing deep theological about them. Number one, 
love everybody the same. Amen. Love everybody the same. Number two, forget yourself. Forget yourself. I know you're important, but you're not that important. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to deflate your ego that badly, but it mine's been pretty, pretty put down today. I say it again. Number three, value relationships over being right. Number three, remember, or number four, remember how you got where you are. How did you get here? How did you make it? How have you gone through all you've gone through? Somebody prayed for you. Somebody loved you. Somebody encouraged you. Somebody was there when you were ready to throw in the towel and give up and said, oh, that's not a good idea. Come on, we can pray through this. And they prayed you through that and they held your hand and they walked with you through that dark valley. How did you get where you are? Don't forget that. Brother E.L. Holly used to say, if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, you know this one thing. He didn't get there by himself. And neither have we. None of us. Amen. So don't forget that. Some of the most caustic, critical people I've ever been around are people that have been forgiven the most and have the most reason to show compassion. I don't want to be that way. Number five, show a little compassion. Pity. That's what the word means, pity. It's all right to pity people. That doesn't mean... It's not as bad as you think. Just have some pity on them. They're poor people. I don't mean poor financially. They're just poor people. People are poor. People are pitiful. And I'm one of them. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about us. We are pitiful. Somebody have a little pity on me. Somebody come up and say, it's going to be all right. We're going to get through this. Amen. I didn't coin that phrase. There's actually a book by that title, People Are Pitiful. But the truth is, we are. You think about it. How many times do we go off knowing what we know and say things like, nobody loves me. Nobody even cares about me. Nobody even knows I exist. I sat in a funeral just the other day, and I have to tell you, it was a a very humbling experience. Good friend, man that we were with just a few months ago, and now his life is over. And I sat there in that meeting, and I thought, Lord, I don't want to, I don't want my life to come to an end and there be any regrets. I don't want to come to this moment in my life and be at odds with any one of my family. I have two brothers and a sister that remain alive. We don't always see alike. We don't always agree on everything. 
But I don't want anything to ever be allowed to come between us so that we cannot communicate. We cannot love each other. We cannot forgive. Amen. That ought to be important, especially this time of year. We need to find a way to bridge the gap. We need to find a way to be, I said it before, we need to find a way to be a peacemaker in our family. Quit waiting on somebody else to make peace. Quit waiting on them to do what's right. You do what's right. Amen. Number five, six, seven, whatever it is, I've lost count. (laughs) Amen. Lend a hand. Do yourself a favor and lend a hand. You know what they say? That when a person is busy rowing, they're too busy to complain. But if you're not rowing, you can find every reason in the world to gripe about it. I don't like the temperature. I don't like the weather. I don't like the rain. I don't like the storm. I don't like the sea. I don't like you. I don't like being stuck in this vessel with you. (laughs) But when you're busy rowing, all you're thinking about, we got to get to the other side. We got to do this together. (laughs) Lend a hand. Find a way. To help somebody. Amen. Let's stand together. Do yourself a favor. Love. Love. Love like you've been loved. Amen. Have compassion on others like compassion has been had upon you. When I read this chapter now, I cannot hurry through to the latter portion because I realize the significance of Christ's humiliation is that he didn't do it for himself. He did it for me. The reason for his suffering was not just to be a martyr, but that was the only way to purchase my salvation. The reason that he took the mocking. Think about it. Think about it. He has opened blind eyes. He has unstopped deaf ears. He has raised the dead to life. He has made the lame to walk. He has fed the multitude. And now here he is. Hanging between heaven and earth. And those people that he has been trying to reach. And awaken. And minister to. And make them aware of why he came. They are now passing by. And they make this statement. If you be the son of God. Come down from that cross. That's what he came for. He wanted them to believe who he was. That's the reason that he was there. And now he had the opportunity to do it. But he hung hung on. He kept hanging. 
because that wasn't his end. His end was you and I and a church and a world that could be transformed because he went all the way. He didn't quit too soon. He didn't give up when pressure was on. He just kept going. Amen. Amen. I want everything I do to have the right motive behind it. I want to, I want my spirit to be right. I want my heart to be clean. I want you just to close your eyes just for a moment. I'm going to dismiss you. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Sometimes you just have to hang on. Sometimes you just have to keep going. Sometimes you have to stop and remember. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, I wouldn't be where I am. So let me be a man of mercy. Let me live by the side of the road and be a friend to man. Just to help somebody. Just to be a voice of encouragement. Just to be a hand that reaches out and a call that is made, a, a word that is shared that will help lift somebody in their spiritual journey. That needs to be the motivation behind everything I do. That needs to be the impetus of every action that I take. That needs to be the inspiration of every ideal. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, I, I feel His presence right now. I feel like He's talking to me. I hope He's talking to you. Amen. I want to show mercy. I want to be kind. I want to. I want to help somebody that's hurting. I don't want to become so self-absorbed and so self-centered that I lose sight of what matters, what really needs to be the accent of my life. Reach over and take somebody by the hand that's near you and let's just pray together. Holy Ghost, we love you. Lord, I, I thank you for the word that has humbled me today. That word that has so convicted my own spirit. I know that not every motive of my life has been pure and I know not every action of my life has been right. But Lord, tonight I, it is my desire, it is my, my hunger to do what's right. And Lord, to always be motivated by the right thing, the true thing, the pure things. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, Lord, let me think on those things. Help us tonight in this season of, of giving and the season of, of great frustration for some people that we not lose sight of what really matters. That you're the reason for this season. That you're the reason that we're here tonight. That you're the reason that we can worship. That we can come into this building. Help it, Lord, to be the motivation of our life as well. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Do yourself a favor. Lend a hand. Love somebody anyway. Amen. Have a little mercy. Show a little kindness. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Tell somebody near you how much you love the Lord and how much you love them. And I'll let you be dismissed in the name of the Lord.